Hey, this is Leslie, host of the Rogue Ones podcast. Thank you for listening to this show. You know, I did this limited series in 2018 and 2019. The world was a wildly different place, but knowing that people are still listening to it now and benefiting from these stories brings immense satisfaction. So thank you. If you want to keep up with my own rogue adventures, you can follow me on Substack. Yes, I have one too. An easy link to find that is leslieethompson.com slash Substack. I write on there frequently, but then I'll also post audio vignettes that don't fit into a typical podcast framework. I've been busy, and I bet you have been too, Rogue One. So thanks for tuning in, and I hope to hear from you soon. Now, here's the episode, and I hope you enjoy. You're listening to the Rogue Ones podcast, the Rogue Rabbit Trail series. Each time I talk to a guest, we sometimes find ourselves off topic. These smaller episodes feature audio that didn't make it to the final episode. Today's Rogue Rabbit Trail follows a conversation I had with lawyer Justin Sievert. I cut a lot of our conversing about his favorite hobby, World's Strongest Man, Nashville, and some other little tidbits, so for anyone who may be interested in the above topics, listen on. Otherwise, you're totally welcome to skip to another full episode of the series. First, listen to a little talk about something called Mount Stupid. You know what I mean? You know the Mount Stupid analogy? Mike actually told me about this when I first started because there was... Mm. I, I just launched, I just gone out on my own. I just went rogue and uh, you kind of have to like hype yourself up to like, I can do all the mm-hmm. things. Let me do these things for your business. And then you hit a wall where you're like, oh, I have, I don't know what I'm doing. And that's, and Mike found this, um, he had heard of it and he found the little graph for me and it's Mount mm-hmm. Stupid. And what happens, you get to the top of Mount Stupid and you realize I'm so, so dumb and your confidence and everything just drops. And then you begin this really beautiful building process back up the mountain of actual understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it's that first little mountain where suddenly everything crashes down because you go, oh gosh, I don't know anything. Um, and then you start to to learn again and relearn and rebuild. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a beautiful but scary thing, but we can't be afraid of it because that ultimately is what makes us better. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it was definitely different. I mean, Nashville and Miami, especially I think in 2012, are were totally different things. I think Nashville's obviously changed a lot since we had first moved there. It's it's a much busier city. Yes. I think it's a much much more transient city. I think you have more and more people who either aren't from the southeast or from like pretty close to the Midwest. I think you have more people from all over the country. So I think it has a much different vibe than it did then. At least that's how I feel every time I go back. There's always another skyscraper going up and there's always about 85 bachelor or bachelorette parties, you know, going on. So it's just a, it's a lot different. I mean, I Lord remember going down there. From them. Yeah. When we first moved down there, you could go down, you know, Main Street. Is that, that's the Main Street, so right? Broadway. Street, right? Broadway. Yeah, Broadway. Broadway. You could go down Broadway and it would be relatively quiet during the day. Not, yeah. nothing like it is now. And now you can't even walk down the street. So it was a much, much different place than, than Miami was for sure. I started out competing as a, as a 231 weight class. And then I eventually decided I was kind of never really big enough to fill it, fill out that class since most guys cut down, um, for, for bigger competitions. So right. And the I way decided, that works for people who are 
listening, it's a lot like wrestling, right? Where like you you live in you live in a certain weight world, you know, you live at two forty maybe, right? And then if if you're going for a two thirty one weight class, then like the week before you're doing the things that the weight or the wrestlers would do, cutting weight to get to weigh in, right? Exactly. exactly. So you wanna so you re- really you wanna you wanna compete in whatever class is going to give you the best possible chance for success. So if you're walking around as I was at a weight around 215, maybe 220 then, and you're competing in a weight class that's a 231 mm. weigh-in, and those guys are cutting down from 245, 250, mm-hmm. on the day of the competition, you're really giving up 30 pounds. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a happy medium, you know, trying to find the right weight class and what the right point to cut from is just because everybody's a little bit different in terms of what they can handle and not handle. Because if you don't refuel right after a weight cut, you're going to perform terribly. There's, there's nothing around mm-hmm. that. And I learned my lesson a, f- a few times, I think early on, like, here's where you can cut from. Here's where you can't cut from. And here's how you, mm-hmm. more importantly, um, how you refuel that day, um, the day of weigh-ins to be back and be prepared for competition 24 hours later. Um, so, so from 231, I decided to eventually go to the 200 pound weight class. Um, I made nationals at 200 and then in, I guess two or three years ago, they started to have, you know, that weight class had an international world's strongest man, um, Mm -hmm. competition that was kind of created. And so I, I qualified for that the last two years and, have, have competed, you know, at that level, which has been great. Just competing against guys all over the world, um, the best of the best. And it's, it's been fun just kind of as a second, I guess a second athletic career. Mm. Cause you know, when I was 20, 22, I thought it was pretty much over. And then to kind of get back into it in my late twenties and be able to make, you know, the world level as a, I mean, I'm 38 years old now. I have two kids. I have a a job that takes a lot of my time. It's, it can be, it's, it's, it's probably the, just, I'm very proud of that aspect of it, of being able to do it at, at a high level, given kind of the constraints I have to do it how I'd want to do it. Yeah. Cause obviously if I didn't have, you know, obligations that are just more important, I'd probably do a lot more in terms of preparing myself, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm happy with kind of the time I have and the resources I have available going to world's strongest man when is your next thing and how can people find you and follow along so my next thing i'm doing a a local competition actually miami's baddest man so i'm actually moving up to the 105 back up to 231 oh really yeah i just i got kind of tired of i say that now at least my wife probably still thinks i'm gonna cut (laughs) when when push comes to shove i'm gonna be sucking weight in the sauna in December, but the plan, the the plan right now is I'm moving up weight classes. Um, the cut, the cut was becoming a little too much, especially the last time, um, was not, was not ideal. And it's, it's just really never, I've only seen it happen a couple times and both times it's, I've had to, I've had to struggle through the pain as well. The wives always have to struggle as well. I was basically stuck me, myself and another competitor were basically stuck about half. I was stuck at about half a pound over for six, for six hours, six hours. I, 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 I cut off. So the day of the weigh-ins, I, I cut probably four or five pounds that morning from the sauna. And this is so I, I, I cut from my overall cut was from two thirteen to one ninety eight in like 36 hours. So 15 pounds. 
so I, I, I did my water loading, finished the first part of it. And then the sauna was going to take off the last, you know, four or five pounds that morning at most. And maybe, maybe a little bit less than that, but I got stuck. I got stuck at like half a pound over. And at noon I went to weigh in and I didn't make it. And I was, I was at that point, I think like a quarter of a pound over. And I literally couldn't, I couldn't sweat. I couldn't sweat anymore. I was just, what did stuck you do? At, you had to compete I, in the next. I tried to sweat it out and I just wasn't sweating. And eventually I was just like, all right, I'm going to just go walk on a treadmill and try to just kind of, and I'm just going to see what happens. So I went in and I made weight with like five minutes left. So at that point I weighed in at 198 and it was like, okay, well I have to compete the next day. And the most important part when you're cutting weight is to refuel yourself. Right. So I basically between six o'clock at night when I was 198 by, I ended up staying up until one or two in the morning to do my recomp. And I think I went to bed at about 222. So I put on 24 Ugh. pounds, mostly water, obviously, because it's really not a lot of food. It's more just the, the fluids and electrolytes and that balance. Replacing yeah, I ended up, what you just sweated out. Exactly. So I, so I, I was 20, I was, I think 222 when I went to bed that night. Oh. So, but yeah, I'm kind of tired of, it's, it's a, it's the, 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 in the, that part itself isn't the part that it has. I mean, that part's obviously not fun. Like sure, it's, not, right. it's not fun to sit in a sauna for 12 hours one day on and off. But the part that to me is the biggest reason I don't think I want to cut anymore is like watching what I eat at Thanksgiving, watching what I eat for my kids' birthdays, mm -hmm. watching, like mm -hmm. not being able to do like always having to like you go into social situations and I'm, you're always worried about what's going to be on the menu or bringing something. It just kind of gets to be a pain. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, so I'm moving up weight classes. I'm going to do that, do that show and then kind of see, see where I'm at. Um, I'd love to make worlds at, at one Oh five. That'd be great. Um, if it's in the cards, I don't know. What I told, does that I, process look like? It's, there's, it's different. It so there's, there, it's different. It's it's based on how you can how you compete the year before at Worlds. It's based on um, just some qualification shows they have, and there's also now an online qualifier where basically you have to complete. There's like three different like lifts. So last year it was a five rep max with a log press, a max deadlift, and then a farmer's walk with a turn in it. And you had to basically film yourself, have somebody film you doing it, and then weigh, like measure it out, like showing how you measured it, showing the weights on a scale just to make sure nobody was cheating. Yeah. And they rank order you that way. And they'll pull like the top 10, 10 or so people from that qualifier. So there's different ways to wow. do it. But I would love – this year I'm kind of looking at it more as a – I'd love to make it, but maybe it's going to be a transition year. But I'll, the next year I'll be 40. Cause I'm really old now and <laughs> I'd love to be able to make it when I'm 40 because it just be like, it's, I think I'd be really happy if I can make it to the world stage at that age with the responsibilities that I have in my life and the, and competing totally, totally drug free. It'd be to me really, it'd be a good accomplishment. Um, it'd be something to, to, to shoot Amazing. for. So, so we'll see how yeah. it goes. But then there's always the thing where, if I don't make 105, maybe I'll I'll make another run at 90. <laughs> I'm well. I'm and well. you're saying you're saying 105 and 90. That's that's in um, two two thirty one and one. That's two thirty one in pounds is 105 and 198. 
So we're talking about a, gotcha. a large swing. And yeah. I've been enjoying a good life the last few months, so I'm, yeah. I'm nowhere. I'm nowhere near 198. That's that'll that'll hurt to yeah. go back to that. Yeah, my favorite story with Mike was, and I know you've heard it, is just that one in East Tennessee where he we had to drive there the whole day, and he was wearing five layers of clothes and had the heat on, and that was fine mm-hmm. for him. But then I had to sit there and endure that, and. Yep. Then we got there and he was still a little bit over and he took himself to the restroom and he made it, but um, not without <laughs> making himself throw up first. So yeah, that was gross. Oh, part of the game. But the yeah. best part is they just ended up combining the weight classes. So it didn't even matter. That's that would be the worst. I think yeah. I would lose my mind. On he that. took it well, though. He wasn't. I think he knew he couldn't really be mad about it because he didn't want to affect his performance. But I would have been pretty mad. I yeah. would still be bitter about it. But the best way people can like follow me, I guess, is if from the business aspect, like our our website or Twitter is probably where I talk about work things the most. My Instagram profile is basically I only use for strongman. I don't use it for anything even following friends or family really. Um, <laughs> I, I use Facebook for that. So I kind of have different social media things. I, all my social media has different purposes. Like yeah. Twitter, Twitter's for work, LinkedIn's for work, obviously. Facebook's for family and friends, and Instagram is is for training because you tend to can, you can kind of get more publicity and invited to different shows if you're on those platforms. And I never even had an Instagram till like a year or so ago, just because I didn't really know what its purpose was or have a purpose for it. I'm like, I just use Facebook, but right. those are the best places to follow me. I guess I could just give you those to put I'll in the put show I'll put those notes. in the description okay. and they gotcha. can find you. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on that we didn't? No, I think we covered mostly everything. I mean, I would just say for entrepreneurs and startups to give it time, you know, don't, don't, like I said before, don't worry, don't get too high with the highs and don't get too low with the lows and have a have a good approach to what you're doing, have a reason for why you're doing it, why you think it makes sense. Um, and just do the best you can. Maybe you'll fail at your first 10 businesses, but maybe the 11th will be really successful. Um, but it's always, there's a lot of time in life and you don't necessarily need to be a, a huge success when you're 22 or 32 or even 42. There's plenty of people who have massive success later in life. So don't really, don't worry about comparing yourself to, your friends and any, any aspect, you know, here, everybody's going to kind of accomplish different things at their own, their own pace. So as long as you're working towards something in a, in a good manner, I think that's all you can really do. And things will happen in, in due time. Listen to the full episode with Justin Sievert, where we talk about things like setting priorities, how to balance parenting with a career and embracing failure without embarrassment. That full episode and more can be found at rogueonespodcast.com. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed yourself, press subscribe and maybe leave a review. Appreciate it. We'll see you next time.